0: We're back at it again, can't stop, won't stop. This is the NFL Draft Bible Podcast, day two, round one in the books. I know you can't believe it, we can. It is finally here, and we've got our guests lined up. We're back at it again for another hour of coverage. We're going to tell you who went in round one that we don't agree with. Uh, Who should have gone in round one? Corey Davis, Titans, WTF, uh, many more. Pat Mahomes, all the surprises, all the shockers, the fallers, the sliders, the risers. Glad you tuned in. We've got our, our guests online. The boss man is in Philadelphia rubbing elbows with Roger Goodell and the likes. So uh, we're going to get our guests on. Let uh, that uh, Justin and I have on? How did day one treat you, sir? I
1: feel like I got blindsided, my dude. I mean, that was... Insane. I thought, first two picks went down, I was like, I I got this. And then, after that, man, that was just pure insanity.
0: I'd like to say it kind of went off the rails at pick five. And, I mean, we may as well start there. But before Corey Davis, I want to get your take on the 49ers, the Bears, the trade-up at one slot. I mean, at first blush, I'm looking at, at new GM. John Lynch sitting there may have fleeced the Bears and got those extra picks for just the rights to one spot. Uh, how do you view that? I mean, I think the, I think the new kid on the block uh, got away with one.
1: Dude, how did he make that look so easy? He made his first draft look like he's been doing this forever. I mean, he came, he stole yesterday's draft. He got two top five players at what number? Three and number 31 or whatever, I mean, I don't, I don't know, man. I think the Bears got the raw end of the deal right there. I don't think Trubisky went to the best situation either. So that whole thing is just, that's craziness. I think John Lynch made that look too easy.
0: Like he had been doing this the whole time. And I think even better than that trade was getting back in round one and getting Reuben Foster. Yeah. I mean, my criticism to him aside, how about the fit and – you know, Navarro Bowman, the injuries, they've had retirements there at that position. Old Ruben may just jump right in day one and start start knocking fools out for the 49ers.
1: Yeah, man, that's just such a good scheme fit. And that front seven's looking pretty nasty now if they're all healthy. You got Buckner, you got Armstead, now Thomas, Navarro Bowman, Foster. I mean, that's a young athletic group ready to freaking fly around and hit people, man.
0: I'm excited to watch the 49ers defense. I know John Lynch is, but that's why I want to get started on this podcast, Justin. Uh, players, two schemes, two teams that, that they make fits that just make sense. I think you nailed it Their Foster's one. Uh, one of my favorites and one of the few matches I had in my mock draft as I shake my fist in the air, uh, Garrett Bowles to the Broncos. Uh, big Broncos yeah. fan here. I I like the athletic fit into the scheme, I, and I'm just happy as heck. You know, our number one tackle actually was the number one tackle off the board. Uh, you know, don't hurt myself patting us on the back there, but what do you think about Garrett <laughs> Bowles go, going to Denver?
1: I mean, that's a great fit. Zone blocking scheme. Uh, you know, he's an athletic dude. He's, you know, he's probably the best pass protector in the entire class. And uh, I like, you know, when we met him in Indianapolis, we both said, you know, this is—he's a, a super nice kid, but you can tell he's got that little bit of mean in him. He's got that nasty streak. You can just see it when you talk to him, and uh, you can hear it, the passion in his interviews. You know, and you—you you know, on tape too, you see this dude finish and plays. He's going out of his way to make sure dudes' faces are getting rubbed in the dirt. Um, I like that. I like that toughness he brings to Denver. Um, so he's going to be able to protect whoever the quarterback is, um, but he's also going to help in the run game. He's going to give them that nasty
0: streak, and I think that's what Denver definitely needs. Oh, yeah, and, like, it's, he's a finisher. He is just going to uh, get right people down, and he enjoys that aspect of it, so, boy, I couldn't be happier for the Broncos there.
1: Yeah, man, that's a that's a solid pick, dude. I think another one of the picks that I was looking at right now That yesterday when it went down, I was like, "That is that's freaking awesome." Was uh, Humphrey to the Ravens, man? What what better fit for that you know defense that they like to play physical, they like to play mean, and now you got a big physical press corner that hits like a safety. I mean, that defense is reloading. They got Tony Jefferson, Weddle, now Humphrey. Um, Give them an edge rusher, man, and they're they're looking like the Ravens defense of old.
0: That was sorely needed, too, because, you know, behind Jimmy Smith and Brandon Carr, Tavon Young I like, but that next corner there was, well, uh, game-breaking speed. His dad had it. He's he got it, too. Uh, I think the other one, we, we just got a break to break the table. Uh, Leonard Fournette, to quote Faux Gruden, Fournette, uh, Fournette was a Tiger. He becomes a Jaguar. This is only something you see on National Geographic, man. Uh, Fournette, I think that's exactly what they need. They, they need to pound out the rock. They need to get the ball out of Bortles' hands for a few snaps at least and just let the big dog eat here. Unfortunately, you cannot draft the entire Dallas Cowboys offensive line with one pick, but they're off to a good start at least. I think Fournette's the kind of back. You know, when they when they picked up Chris Ivory, that's kind of what they had in mind is, is just a pile mover and enforcer out there and, well, I think, uh, yeah, Leonard Fournette's definitely a better version of Chris Ivory for sure.
1: Yeah, I would agree there, man. I would agree. I think, you know, anytime you take a running back in the top five, I could argue it's a reach. I don't care who it is. But, I mean, they need the identity. They need they need to get the ball out of Bortles' hands for darn sure. So, I, I didn't love the pick, but I'm not going to argue it. If it's something they felt like they needed, then, you know, that's that
0: is what it is well one uh you put the the thought in my head and it just kept uh bouncing around like a pea in my noggin uh it was kansas city taking a backup quarterback whatever quarterback they got and but pat mahomes found himself uh, a right nice home in kansas city with a quarterback uh guru whispering in his ear uh I, i've got to think you, you like that fit but what do you think about mahomes there i mean a lot of people say he's a year away. I'd like to say maybe even more. What's your What's your assessment there, how he's going to do in Kansas City?
1: Yeah, man, I mean, I think the stigma uh, – here's the thing. I think we have this stigma of Texas Tech and we assume he's not ready and we assume that, you know, he's just so raw. But when I compared him and Watson side by side, Watson was the better coach quarterback. Uh, He had more consistent mechanics, and he was, you know, a little more poised and willing to stay in the pocket. But as far as reading defenses and being an anticipatory passer, Mahomes blew Watson out of the water. So I think this, uh, you know, the kind of myth of Watson's pro ready needs to die because that he is anything but pro ready. And I think Mahomes, from a mechanical, from a, you know, fundamental standpoint is nowhere near being ready. But I think he does the natural quarterback things as far as, you know, like I said, reading defenses and just being, um, you know, being ready when it's game time. I think he's more ready than we think. Uh, It's maybe not year one, but I think year two, I wouldn't put it past this kid to jump in there. And he's going to be a little, he's going to be a wild card. He's going to make some boneheaded decisions being the gunslinger that he is. But I think he's got a little Brett Favre in him. I think he's going to come in here and wow everyone, man. So, I don't know, I think a little sooner than we all want to, you know, admit, I think Mahomes is going to jump in there and dethrone
0: Smith. Yeah, yeah, I could. you wouldn't be surprised to see it. The bit, The toughest question I got last night, my brothers in my face are like, why is this kid not going to be Kevin Cole Part 2? Tell me. I'm <laughs> just like, wow, <laughs> <laughs> that's a great comparison. But I'd argue that, you know, uh, Mahomes just has some special stuff on that arm talent. And I I would agree with you where the knock I've got on Watson, everything's pretty much predetermined. It's all wrapped up in a a fine little package before the snap, and he just goes out and uh, does what he's told. He does it well, no knock on him. But, yeah, improvisational abilities that Mahomes has, it it could just be a nice little marriage with Andy Reid's offense. So I'm, I'm definitely excited for Pat Mahomes with the futures in store. There's no doubt there.
1: Yeah. Of course, yeah, I'm, I'm super pumped to see. I think he went to a good situation. I, of all, I think of all the places he could have gone, um, Kansas City is probably top three as far as the right situation for him. So I think that's a great fit.
0: Well, it ain't all rays and sunshine and daisies. I'm going to tell you, there's a guy who went in the first round that I'm not, I'm just not feeling it. Not that I've been a, 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 his biggest fan of the process, the Cowboys, getting an edge rusher taco charlton um combine and you see what he posted and you go to that defense in ann arbor and i'm i'm saying he's he's a product of a system i don't know that he has dynamic speed and you know in that lane kiffin defense you really need uh someone that's got some jet fumes behind him when he runs and i just don't i don't see taco charlton having that third gear i mean there's some technique there and heck heck, he may do well in dallas but Justin, I'm just not feeling uh taco playing in Monty Kiffin's uh cover two.
1: Yeah, man, I whew, I talked to a lot of Cowboys guys on Twitter and uh you know one of Justin Walters that writes for us over here at Draft Bible is a big Cowboys fan. And pre draft we were talking saying, you know, they need the Cowboys need a weak side Um, guy that can fly off the ball and just be a pure quarterback chaser, man, just a pure quarterback killer. And uh, I don't think Taco's that – I mean, he's a base end. He's powerful. He's a big dude. He's going to set an edge. He's going to, you know, he's going to get a few sacks. But I don't think he's that guy that's going to fly off the ball and threaten quarterbacks on a snap-to-snap basis. Um, I think he fits the Cowboys' scheme but he doesn't fit the Cowboys' needs. He wasn't what they were they need to get them over the hump. Um, I'm with you, man. I like Taco, but I like Vedante as his real name is. But I don't think he was what they needed, man. I'm not sure that was the right move on their part. I thought they could have taken a safety or a corner and then maybe drafted someone like Dwayne Smoot or Tim Williams or something like that in round two. Um, I think that was a reach as well. but.
0: Hey. It seemed like the guy you brought up there, Tim Williams, they might want more of like a a tweaky, just kind of real uh, out of his stance and and lightning quick. I just don't see any firing off from Charlton there. So, yeah, it's one of the fits I'm not a fan of. What about you, Jess? What did you see in the first round to where a team took a player and you're like, are you serious right now with this? Dude,
1: it was the guy we talked about yesterday, and it was T.J. Watt, none other than T.J. Watt, yeah. uh, the Steelers. Um, and the crazy thing is, is you know, again, why not take something else, take something you need, and then grab Tim Williams, Dwayne Smooth, Vince Beagle, grab any of those guys in round two, fill a need in round one that, you, you know, with a better player, with better value, grab Reuben Foster, pair him with Ryan Chazier. Instead, they take Watt who, number one in a vacuum, is not worthy of a first-round pick. And they take him, and now you got him on the roster. You got other holes still. You got a guy that's not going to be an impact pass rusher right away. I just I felt like that was a crazy value pick that just they went the wrong wrong way on. I felt like they reached. I don't know what they're thinking, to be honest with you. That was the one that just (laughs) pure baffled me, man.
0: That is just, you know, they're taking a name simple and, and that I thought I had more respect for the Steelers franchise that that, no, you know, they're going to vet this out. They're really going to research this and, and we're going to work it. I don't know that they, did they work them out? Cause maybe they would have made the selection, but that's one. Yeah. There's, there's quite a few other players that I would have uh, considered that and maybe even another position need, man. I mean, Steelers, <laughs> there's a bunch of other holes, I thought wide receiver even before getting a lot, even though they could have Martavis Bryant back. But, uh, yeah, I'm very disappointed in Pittsburgh here, dude. Yeah, man, but
1: they're the same front office, right, that took, you know, Jarvis Jones and Bud Dupree in the first round. So we can't yeah. give them all the credit in the world. I don't think they're doing their homework at that rusher,
0: man. Well, we're doing our homework, and uh, we got a few prospects that uh, I'm sitting here clueless as to why they're still available. Uh, I'm going to kick it right off with Forrest Lamp. You can have Cam Robinson, uh, you know, the Ryan Ramchick kid, way to go, Saints, at the end of the first round, uh, I think – there's going to be a team day two here early gets a heck of a player in Forrest Lamp. I mean, you could argue he's a little maxed out and what? where's the growth potential it kind of is what he is right now. But what he is right now, I think, is a 10-plus-year guard in the league. And, uh, sure, maybe that's not first-round value, but sign me up in the second round, man. Forrest Lamp, and I already uh, banged the table for him yesterday, so I won't go ad nauseum, Justin, but you know I'm all about some Jordan Willis. Uh, I think a team's going to be very fortunate here in uh, day two to just sign him up and uh, tell him to go get that quarterback. Those uh, I'm saying, Forrest Lamp, Jordan Willis, that's quality players left.
1: Yeah, man, those are those are solid dudes. I think he, you know, you got to look at Cam Robinson early too. I, I don't, I'm not on board with him as a superstar offensive tackle, but I did not think he was going to slip out around one. Same with Lamp. I thought Malik McDowell might get picked, Deshaun Kaiser. um, I thought where Tredavious White went, I thought that was going to be Fabian Morrow. Uh, I think he's one of the best cover corners in the draft, in the class by far. Um, So there's a lot of first-round talent that we're going to see in this second round, Dalvin Cook. um, Yeah, I could put together another mock draft and convince someone that it's the first round. So that's how talented and deep this class is.
0: Well, that and the the, like you meant, there's so many corners, and yes, we talked, yes, is just an overflow of safeties, but yeah, that I thought Kevin King would find his way somewhere in the first round, and yeah, I guess whatever, maybe it's San Francisco sits there and gets another big corner and continues to build that defense, but yeah, that. Your guy from your neck of the woods, a I thought they brought him out in that pre draft parade, and I'm like, oh no, is Jadobe going to be a, a first rounder? And nope, sure <laughs> not, he's still there. But uh, that's another player. Well, I mean, I mean yeah. heck, you get a corner like a eh? you're, you're really eating.
1: I think, I think Seattle was where we thought King would go, and maybe Green Bay was where we thought a would go. Both those teams traded yeah. out, both those players did not get picked.
0: No, nope, there's no doubt about it. That's exactly why it happened right there. Well, before we move on, I guess I better get it to you. Is there any other uh, players sticking out? Like, how the heck is he still available? And what team is going to get lucky with that? I know it's not DeSean Kaiser. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Um, I think, do yeah, like I said, I mentioned a lot of guys. I think McDowell. Um, I know Caleb Brantley had that incident recently, and I know teams are investigating that. So, um, you know, McDowell, Deshaun Kaiser, Fabian Morrow, Caleb, uh, Dalvin Cook. I really didn't know if Dalvin Cook was going to slide out of the round one. I felt like, you know, we had a lot of kind of our – we had a lot of information on him and we kind of saw it coming. But, yeah, it's just wild, man. I mean, he's so dynamic. He's just so good and he's still on the board. Who is going to get him? Who's going to get Kamara? Who's going to get Mixon? When is this When's this thing about to blow, man? All these safeties, all these running backs on the board, I'm just pumped to see because, I mean, these teams are going to get superstar starters in round two. It's just wild. I haven't seen anything like this in a while.
0: Yeah, it's uh, those running backs right there. I mean, Mixon, Kamara, Cook, that's stud-level backs just waiting in the second round to be blocked. Uh, We got to get it off, though. Corey Davis, right off the bat, Justin, I mean, the, number five. Now, this blew my mock right. into two pieces and into five. Um, what do you got to say about the fit? And what do you got to say about the Titans? Not only passing on Mike Williams, passing on O.J. Howard, not trading down. No, we're good at five, and we're taking C.D. Man,
1: I know you like him. and You know, I don't dislike him, but number five overall. Is he Julio Jones? Is he AJ Green? Is he Des Bryant? No. He is a good player. He's a polished route runner. But I mean so Jordan Shelton, the five eight corner from Wisconsin, gave this kid heck. It's just it's I, I don't think he's the receiver that is physically gifted enough that you can say, Hey, we're gonna just place you with the X, you are gonna go against team's best corner, week in, week out, and you're gonna win one on one. He's not that guy. He's not going to be that guy either. I don't think he's that high upside of a prospect um, to ever be the guy that you don't have to worry about scheming him open. He's not someone you can place against Patrick Peterson, Joe Hayden, you know, these top guys and say, just fit. So to get him at number five, that is, I think that was a reach. I think they're very hard. Um, it's a good fit for Mariota. And uh, what they want to do, but I just don't think he was worth that value at all.
0: I've got to agree a little bit, and you know, I'm yeah, I'm a big believer. But five, good lord, that's rich. And I, I wonder yes. if they could have maybe traded down and still got the same player, but. We got the boss man on the line live, Rick. We're talking about shockers in the first round, <laughs> and we we already arrived at Corey Davis. I mean, what did you think of that, and was there a bigger shock in the first round than, than Davis going to five?
2: Hey, what's up, fellas? You got me loud and clear, Joe? Let's do the mic check, one, two. Mm-hmm. Check me out, baby. You got All me?
0: Oh, clean and easy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool, baby. You know, listen, this is the thing. The Titans... They've been in the business of collecting mediocre wide receivers, and at the end of the day, they need Marcus Mariota running less. They need playmakers. And as much as I love Tajay Sharp, he's a fifth-round guy that showed flashes. isn't really a go-to number one wide receiver. They need a playmaker. Is Corey Davis the best wide receiver? Hey, that's to be determined, but I love his physicality. I love his jump ball reachability. I like what he brings to the table. Would I have selected Corey Davis there? Probably not. I prefer a guy like O.J. Howard for me. But hey, I I get it. I understand it. And the Titans have the you know they have five picks in the in the first two days. So you know why not easing that bur- burden for Marcus Mariota? The one guy for me that you know I I really didn't like was Adoree Jackson and was just a little bit rich sticking to the Thank you. to the Titans. You know, a little too rich for me. A little bit raw in that coverage ability. I I, I get the under, you know, the the special teams uh, capability, but I, I think that's a guy that you know you could have had at least ten, twenty, maybe thirty picks later.
0: Yeah, you might be able to get a corner that does what he does, if not just as well. Uh, not at only that, that Cadavious Cedav-
2: Cedav- White was still on the board. I'd much rather have Cadavious White.
0: Sure. For your starter at LSU, can't beat that. Well, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at the board, and, Rick, we're talking about players left on the available uh, list that is definitely day one people. And Justin and I were shocked to see a few, uh, clearly, uh, the Dalvin Cook and Cam Robinson. But what's what's one of the players you're looking at, like, now, after day one's in the books, how the heck is such and such available?
2: Well, I'm not so surprised about Dalvin Cook. I think he could slide all the way to round three, maybe even day three uh, from some Woo! of the stuff that I'm hearing. Yeah, so I'm not that, did, wow. that one did not surprise me. Uh, you know, I think Malik McDowell is a guy that didn't find his way into round one, Kevin King, Cam Robinson – A couple of guys invited to uh, Philadelphia here was getting a little bit lonely for them in the green room backstage. Uh, But, you know, those are some guys I'm looking at. And from what I'm understanding is that the Packers are just getting offers thrown at them left and right for that number 33 overall selection. And teams are ringing off the hook. The phone lines are are lighting up like a crazy Eddie sale because uh, teams are trying to trade up, whether it be Deshaun Kaiser or Davis Webb, one of those guys is my prediction for pick number 33.
0: It's got to be one of the quarterbacks then,
2: right? <laughs> hey, it's all about quarterbacks.
0: Well, I'm sitting here looking at this board wondering why in the heck Zach Cunningham is still available. That's the, the guy I'm sitting – I guess – I was fooled all along here, Justin. Is it just the fact he's not that good? Uh, I stuck him in my first round mock. What was I missing there?
1: <laughs> you know, I had him as like a mid round two guy all along, so I wasn't shocked. I think I, the only reason, I, the only thing I was shocked about after is like he got so much hype. I, I didn't know if I was crazy. I thought he was going to go around one, but this might confirm the suspicions we talked about at the combine. I just don't think he's that good. I don't think he's that physical. I don't think he's that fast. I didn't see a guy that was very adept in coverage. Um, he's a solid player, man. But I, for me, this this feels about right. I think he's probably going to go to his rightful landing spot.
0: <laughs> and what is he? Is he going to make it inside? Is he going to rush the passer? What kind of skills? Do, I Because mean, the test results tell me I don't know if he survives outside
1: thing is, the scouts were talking about, uh, you know, this is a Jamie Collins type player, blah, blah, blah. In what world? I mean, he is not physical, he's not sudden, he is no Jamie Collins, so uh, I don't, is he a Will? In a, you know, 43, I don't know what he is either, so maybe that's another thing teams are weighing out, like where do we put this dude, but for me, I just don't see it.
0: Well, I'm telling you, we started it off, uh, Rick, with teams that just flat-out won the day, and one was new GM and 49ers, not only trading down one spot, Gardner, extra picks, trading back into round one, getting Ruben Foster, uh, brand-new GM, uh, looks like a staged veteran. But I don't know, outside of 49ers, what did you see, uh, what was the team that you liked what they did, uh, be it trade-in, trade-out, or just the player they took and the, the scheme fit they got?
2: Yeah, John Lynch, not too shabby for a first draft. Uh, I think he had the Bears panicking. There was a little bit of talk. Jacksonville might trade up and take a quarterback, and the Bears gave up a King's ransom to move up one spot and get a training wheels quarterback, so go figure that one. But I take a look at what the Colts (laughs) did there with uh, Malik Hooker uh, at number 15, I believe. I mean, this is a tremendous talent, uh, arguably a top five overall talent to be able to get him at number 15. You know, Indianapolis hasn't had a playmaking safety since the days of Bob Sanders, and I think this guy is going to make a uh, immediate impact. Uh, Just a ball-hawk, nose-for-the-football type of guy. And then also Jonathan Allen sliding all the way down to the Redskins. You know, this is going to go back and be one of the biggest draft blunders of this year's draft class. When we look back five, ten years from now and you see all the teams that overreacted and they got a little scared because uh, Jonathan Allen. You know, his, his shoulder, degenerate shoulder arthritis that probably isn't going to affect him for another 20, 30 years down the road. It really has no impact on his, on his football career. And, you know, you're talking about a guy that is going to just, again, step in, plug and play, and, and be at a very high level. And to, to get him where Washington, I think they were like number 19th or somewhere around there on the board. I thought those were two of the best value picks of, of the first round.
0: No, that Alan may well be. we we come back years later and, like, what was everybody thinking letting a stud like this go right down to the teens? That's that's what I'm studying for, man. It's just, and it's over analysis of medical stuff anymore, I think, on some of these guys. Oh, well, this could be a problem in the future. And it's like, well, he he's going to play 10 years and be just fine. So it's maybe fine picking through stuff that doesn't need to be. Uh, another one I like... I'm not a Dolphins fan. I don't know that they needed a bunch of defense, but Charles Harris in that scheme, learning from Cam Wake and a lot of the other defensive linemen that's there, that that Dolphins D-line has got some serious teeth. And having a real edge rusher, a twitchy guy like Harris, I think he's in a great learning environment as well as a a pretty gnarly defense. That one – that just stuck out to me more than anything. Like, how would the Dolphins get a guy like that? That I, I would have think uh, he broke. they broke the Falcons and the Cowboys' hearts with that move.
2: Yeah, you know, you mentioned playing opposite of Cameron Wake and, and alongside of uh, Ndamukong too. He'll have every opportunity to win a bunch of one-on-one matchups. And I'll throw one more guy out there too, Joe. How about uh, O.J. Howard? I mean, this guy can, uh, to the Buccaneers where – you know, I, I truly believe he's going to be the best tight end in the entire NFL a, a couple of years down the road. But now you have uh, Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson to, to stretch the field and now O.J. Howard to work underneath. And uh, let's not forget the, the muscle hamster coming out of the backfield. I mean, Jameis Winston. Between Winston and, and Eli Manning now, who now has Evan Ingram to go along with Sterling Shepard in the slot with Brandon Marshall and Odell Beckham on the outside. I mean, these are two high octane offenses, man.
0: I like Evan Ingram in the Jets because I think he's more ready now than what if they got an Njoku? I'd, I'd be a little worried. Whereas Ingram, I think he's ready to hit the ground running.
2: Yeah, no doubt about it. And, uh, I think he's going to make a lot of plays. Uh, you know, I was on the uh, WFAN in New York. You know, the fans getting on him a little bit for his blocking abilities. But I, I think they're going to be pleasantly surprised when they get Evan Ingram into training camp and see that, you know, he's not that all too terrible as an inline blocker. I think he's a lot better than what people give him credit for. And you take a look at what the Giants have on the roster, you know, he's going to come in and win that starting job.
0: Well, the question I'm getting last night, guys, uh, from the from the peanut gallery, is man, Deshaun Watson, is he even as good as Tom Savage? I mean, is he going to be able to get in there and play? <laughs> I, I'm arguing that he is. I, mean, I think that Tom Savage, in a system for a couple of years, did uh, was adequate. What could Deshaun Watson do in a couple of seasons? I'm I'm not saying he's getting in there today, but uh, boy, I, I kind of like the fit, and you want. A quarterback to go into an environment with uh, a legitimate whisper a guru to say and that what Bill O'Brien strikes me is that quarterback guru I mean say what you want about his experience with Osweiler uh, he made Christian Hackenberg look like a number one draft pick he leaves mm-hmm. Christian Hackenberg looks like garbage so I'm, I'm a believer in the Bill O'Brien Deshaun Watson guys what do you think
2: Yeah, I'll let Justin jump in here, but just to follow up on what you said, you know, remember he made Matt Sandcastle look like an all-pro with New England. They won 10 games. They missed the playoffs, but earned Matt Castle a nice little contract there in the offseason. So, you know, looking at all these quarterbacks, (laughs) people like uh, the Patrick Mahomes fit because they feel like the Cardinals are are geared for a playoff run. But, you know, Patrick Mahomes ain't going to really be around for all that. I, I think, you know, Arians. Fitzgerald, they'll be long gone by the time Mahomes gets in there behind the saddle, whereas Watson now has all the complementary parts to succeed. It's all set up there for the taking. And, Justin, I don't know about you, but, I mean, if he's not better than Tom Savage, then, boy, this is going to be a bust.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think think he went to a good situation for sure. I mean, Bill O'Brien is the guy that you want your young quarterback working with. Um, they got a good defense. They got good pieces on the offense. Um, my issue with Deshaun Watson was I just didn't see the guy worthy of that first pick. I think they gave up a lot for him. You know they gave up both their two picks for next year. Um, he's got a limited arm. He's got a limited just the way he the way he improved at Clemson didn't show a guy that has the mental acumen to be a high level starter. So for me, it's more about. Uh, I think the fit was great. He's going to a good spot. I just, I'm not sure I see the talent in Deshaun Watson to be a top NFL quarterback or even a high-level starter. I think he's way further away than we think. Um, But, you know, we'll see. We'll see you
2: soon.
0: Well, I got to know about the guy we talked about uh, yesterday, fellas. Gary and Conley. I knocked them out of my mock draft. Heck, I even knocked them out of my top 100 like a fool. And uh, mm-hmm. sure enough, the Raiders made me pay. They made the of the League pay. What do you think about this decision? I mean, it's almost like a Raiders move. Like, you know what? We looked into it. We don't care. We're getting the player. And, and we're letting the rest of the cards sort themselves out later. Uh, you know, you have to have very strong sense of security in your job and I'm sure Reggie McKenzie does uh, dealing with Mr. Davis there uh he he must be very confident in taking this selection and he also must have you got to assume the Raiders looked into this and and really uh, got it dead right before uh, before pulling the trigger here
2: well from Man, my we can do anything right? yeah no Go ahead. i'm sorry to jump in but from what i heard at the draft was that Reggie McKenzie had a well renowned uh a uh, guy come in known for doing these lie detector tests and gave Gary and Conley a lie detector test, and they said he passed with flying colors and that sealed the deal for oakland That's nice, yeah, that's the thing you know you, we don't see this stuff coming because we're not privy to what goes on behind the scenes. you know these teams are you know had twenty four to forty eight hours to to scramble around and do their due diligence. Here's the Raiders they bring them in and do a lie detector test.
0: No, that's what it's all about too. i you know, you got to go just find it out for yourself. And boy, I, the Raiders, that's right up their alley too. They need yeah. a physical presence out there at corner, and uh, yeah, they just got a great player there. I think at the end of things, and those who didn't include him in their mocks would be uh, pissed forever. But it is what it is. There. <laughs> well, I, I, the other guy I want to just put out here. I was talking smack yesterday. Jabril Peppers, I don't think he's a first. And lo and behold, uh, the Browns, they're they're, they're stockpiling on defense. They're getting extra picks. They're wheeling and dealing. Um, I'm not a fan of the player, but the haul that they get here, bringing in Miles Garrett, bringing in Jabril Peppers, they still got a bunch of extra picks waiting for them after this. Um, I got to fess up and say I'm a fan of what the Browns did. Maybe I would have taken a different safety, but still, that's good addition. That's good eats on defense for them.
1: And you got to think Greg Williams will have a uh, have a, a role for him and you know, put him in an attacking role, get he's he's that guy that maximizes his talent, man, and he builds attacking defenses. So, I think Greg Williams is the guy that uh maybe could unlock what Peppers has deep down in.
2: Yeah, I like what uh Justin is preaching here because, you know, you, you throw Peppers, and listen, I'm probably not as high on the Cleveland draft as others are, but you pair Peppers back there in the secondary with a guy like Joe Hayden. You got Greg Williams bringing in the 43. Now you got Miles Garrett lined up opposite of Emmanuel Ogba, who, you know, showed some potential there. His rookie season, six sacks in limited time. So, you know, you have him with the pair of bookends, But at the end of the day, you passed on Carson Wentz. You passed on some of these quarterbacks here. You still don't have one. Then you selected five pass catchers last year. You took four wide receivers and a tight end. None of them made an impact. You went 0 for 5. So then you had to trade back up into the first round, use some of that equity that you built up, and select another tight end. You know, to me... It's great to have all these picks and, and wheeling and dealing, but at the end of the day, if you don't have a quarterback, then you don't got a team.
0: No, that, that is it. Cleveland's still there. I mean, I'm, I am I talk about next year's quarterbacks so until I'm blue in the face, but that's next year. They're still going <laughs> to go to some places in this
2: season. Hey, Well, they managed one win last year, didn't they? Yeah, <laughs> So hey, we could we could we could double down and go from two this year. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think the and you know thing you know the, the
2: two ironic two. thing the ironic thing too is they got they got the uh, second round pick from Houston in the Osweiler trade right, and then they got Houston's mm-hmm. first round pick for next year from the from the Sean Watson trade right. That's the ironic part. Well.
1: Uh,
2: yeah
0: you got to respect the wheel and dealing. I mean, that much, uh, that, that baseball yeah, these, side these of Ivy their League, team you know, is these, definitely.
2: These Ivy League grads are too smart for their own good, Joe. They're, you know, they're trying to play money ball. <laughs> Billy Bean got so much credit. Did the guy ever win a championship? He got so much credit for being a competitive team. Show me something, David. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: one the, one part of the draft that fired me up, guys, and I know you saw it, Pat McKinley. About to break the frame that the picture of his grandmother was in. This is what it's all about. I was—I've uh, never seen anything like that on draft day in my life, and uh, I was just kind of fired up for the kid. I couldn't believe he was going the whole way with it, and uh, then the F bombs start flying. I'm just like, wow, this. Uh, have you, Rick? You've been doing this longer than any of us. You seen anything like what Tack McKinley did last night? <laughs>
2: You know, I'm in the media room, and it's funny because, you know, you're you're trying to keep up with the draft, and, you know, they call these guys to the media room, and you got to scurry over if you, you know, I am I'm, was by myself yesterday, so I'm going back and forth, so you're, you're dropping bows on them, you know, bumping elbows, trying to get a good spot positioning-wise to get a clear shot for the interviews that, by the way, we have up on the YouTube channel on Twitter, at NFL Draft Bible, but... You know, I'm trying to get a good angle, and I'm like, what the heck? What's going on here? I can't see anything. There's a big shrine to his uh, grandmother on the podium. And, yeah, I, you know, we've seen a couple of firsts in this year's draft. We've seen Ruben Foster get kicked out of the combine, and now, you know, from what make Mike Mayock is saying that he's got uh, – a pair of bad shoulders Which is why he slid So maybe that's why he was getting a little agitated At that medical check But we had him get kicked out of the combine Which I never saw before And then you know You got Pat McKinley with the shrine to his grandmother You got the Sean Watson crying Reading a letter from his mom I mean hey man It's a new era
0: <laughs> Garrett Bowles bringing out babe, Infant babies <laughs> Yeah <laughs>
2: Hey, I'll tell you what, I got got him all fired up. He was doing his Q&A session with the media, and here I come. I'm hopping and bopping around, popping my head into different interviews, and you got all these jerky media outlets lobbing up softballs. How's it feel? How's it feel for your family? How's it feel for your wife? How's it feel to be in Philly? And then here I come, like, yo, Garrett, I I hear people talking about you're a wild card in this year's draft. What do you got to say about the critics and this guy? just went on a five-minute rant about how he changed his life around and you know people that doubt him are gonna pay and i'll tell you what man as the more he speaks and the more he talks the more i like this guy i mean i think he's gonna punish some people on sundays and i think he's gonna outplay his his draft selection john elway uh the sheriff over there in denver man i i I just love his eye for talent
0: Couldn't agree more. That's uh, we start off the uh, the podcast with scheme to fit the player that should be in this system, and boy, I couldn't be happier to see Bulls go to Denver. That's uh, glove meet hand, hand meet glove. Uh, Jeez, I I think we got about wrapped up. The other fit I wanted to throw out there, Derek Barnett. Real
2: quick, Joe. Oh, I'm sorry, Derek Barnett. I got stories to tell about him too. Before we jump over uh, it, uh, let's. Let's talk about this offensive line. I can't believe, and we got Christian Dyer coming up in 5 minutes. com. Hey, two offensive linemen in the first round, I've never seen anything like it. And Kim Robinson, as far as Lamp, these are some pretty good players still left on the board. But I think it was the first time in 20-something years that uh, an offensive tackle did not go in the top 15. And I, I got to tell you, I'm a little bit surprised the Giants, you know, with their offensive line weakness didn't pull the trigger. I get it. The high octane, you know, Ben McAdoo's envisioning the Michael Finley days in his head. But, you know, two offensive linemen in the first round when, when almost every team in the league needs offensive linemen, I thought that was a shock.
0: Well, big time. I mean, that and the Giants, though, I mean, they've spent a little bit on that line that. Eric Flowers and then um, Justin Pugh, some high picks there. and Maybe they just didn't oh, see, want to take yet another Justin, Justin Pugh. Pugh. Uh,
2: Justin Pugh, yeah, he was a left tackle that couldn't play left tackle, that they switched to right tackle, couldn't ha- hack it at right tackle, so they had to kick him inside of guard. And Eric Flowers was yep. probably one of the weak links on that offensive line last year. To me, Cam Robinson's a better left tackle than Eric Flowers. So, you know, you got a, a couple guys uh, – on that offensive line that, you know, uh, people criticize Eli Manning a lot here in New York. This guy has one of the quickest releases that that I've ever seen. If you ever watch a Giants game and see, this guy has literally less than two seconds to
0: throw the ball on each attempt. No doubt. Those projects just did not work out. I think they probably just wanted to avoid repeating the same process. Hmm. Well, hey, I'm definitely curious, place? then, uh, I want
3: the to know about hey, this Barnett hey, live story, on man.
2: Radio, we're going to give the bars a shout-out if you're in Philadelphia. What's the street out of it? 20 years in Walnut. What's your name <laughs> or, man? Hey, Mitch. Mitch, come ask for Mitch, not Mitchell Tavisky.
0: No. <laughs> we got Rick doing two things at once, bro. <laughs>
2: and that's a perfect transition, <laughs> Joe, because I know you wanted to talk about Derek Barnett, who... I'm gonna pull out my my Brooklyn brawler again and, and do my little <laughs> pat on the back to myself because you know, I didn't get many right in my first round mock. But, you know <laughs> I got Derek Barnett correct, though, so, and I think it's a great fit when you take a look at uh Shh. the sisters. Oh no wait, did Derek yeah, Derek Barnett went to Philly, correct?
0: Philly, yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, and their their ties to the Talk. Tennessee Vols too. I mean that that's what I like about it. I mean he fits the scheme, and they've in Philadelphia they had an awful lot of success with one that Tennessee Volunteer defensive lineman, and the same guy you know, Derek Barnett broke his records, uh, all Reggie White's sack records there. So I man, that's like, same here, Rick. I mean, that's like one of the few that I, the fit made sense, and I'm just happy for Barnett because that that playing opposite side of Brandon Graham. That's going to be good for Philly's defense.
2: Oh, no question. And you talk about breaking Reggie White's Tennessee sack record, and then getting selected by the same team as Reggie White in Philadelphia, and don't don't get it twisted. Derek Barnett realized the moment in the situation. He said, "Listen, I went to Tennessee. I know how big a deal Reggie White here is in Philadelphia. But you know, I asked him." That was the one thing uh, about my interview that I asked him about. I'm like, why do you think you're not getting the respect you deserve, uh, such as a guy like Miles Garrett, where, you know, your production against top competition, if you compare the two, uh, Barnett really outperformed Miles Garrett from a production standpoint in the SEC year in and year out. I'm just saying.
0: No, yeah, and you look at the sack numbers, man. Uh, against the SEC, his freshman year, ten sacks against the SEC. The day he showed up on campus was the day he became a good player. So I just, yeah, I, I think he's totally underrated. Yeah, you know, just looking at this board here, I, I think the one thing that happened at the beginning of last yesterday is the wide receivers just got pushed up. That's yeah. I could not. Foresee this happening? I thought it'd be at the end of round one. and teams, you know, start knee-jerking there. But once Corey Davis went at five, I think that was just that was just a chain reaction. Like, oh, mm-hmm. we better go now too. We need a whiteout. And yeah, Tennessee. I mean, they just all the rest of the teams just kind of just bounced right after the Titans. Uh, what about the Bengals and John Ross, man? Uh, they're taking a bit of a chance. Yes, he was four two two, but. I think those knee injuries and just his injury situation's pretty well documented. I mean, a complete microfracture knee rebuild, meniscus, and now labrum surgery. Uh, Bengals—they're they're rolling the dice here, but instantly the fastest player on the team. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, you know, I, I was
2: a little bit surprised too, but you take a look at the the impact in free agency with the departures of guys like uh, Marvin Jones and Muhammad Sanu, you kind of saw that impact the passing game last year. So I I get it. You know, you get John Ross who can stretch the field and and, uh, be a burner and and let A.J. Green work on the other side of the field. So, you know, a little bit rich for my liking, but, hey, that's the Cincinnati Bengals. They've never been afraid – to roll the dice, that's why I always keep a room for him uh, lit up in the Atlantic City hotels.
0: <laughs> what are you thinking about the fit, Justin? You like Ross uh, in Cincy?
1: Yeah, I mean I like the fit. I think it's good that you know when you think at AJ Green on the other side it opens things up a little bit. I kind of thought they'd just uh, go with better value there, kind of maybe wait till round two to get our Darius Stewart or Chris Godwin or something, but I mean, you can't argue speed, you can't teach speed, I just, I'm with Rick, I think all those surgeries and just the fact that he's not necessarily a, you know, a one-on-one 50-50 ball kind of, get, kind of got you have to scheme him open, so it, it felt like I didn't like the value of it, uh, it is what it is, though, like, you know, you can't teach speed, so
2: well, here's an interesting tie-in since we're talking about the Bengals because, you know, hey, they'll pull the trigger on anybody. So let me ask you this, guys. I'll go back over to you, Justin. 41, the Bengals are on the clock. Do they pull the trigger on Joe Mixon here? And if they don't, does Mixon get past the Vikings at forty-eight?
1: I don't see him getting past. I I think the Bengals, man, I think they – that'd be tempting. I think they take him, dude. And, I, and that, like you said, I don't think he gets past the Vikings. They, they have a dire need at running back. There's no way you let a talent kind of like Nixon slip past you in that second round.
2: All right, guys, I think we I'm, have our special guest caller on the hotline right now, and uh, we're going to go over to him. On the Defiance Fuel Hotline, he is Christian Dyer of the Sporting News. Check his articles out on thesportingnews.com. You can also check out his uh, columns on metrous.com. And uh, he's also on Madison Square Garden. Hey, Christian, you're all over the place. How you doing today?
3: Uh, a little sleep deprived after, after you know <laughs> after the past 24 hours, but we're doing all right. And, and what a crazy draft! And and, one, and once again, the so-called experts guys, you know, on, on TV, didn't get many things right.
2: Yeah, it was one of those drafts, one of the more wild card drafts. It was fast, it was furious, and of course, you've been covering the uh, draft stories for the sporting news as well as keeping your finger on the pulse. Locally for the Giants and the Jets there at Metro US. So let's start off uh, there in your backyard and, and my backyard. I'm in Philadelphia right now, but our backyard. We'll start it off with the Jets since, since they picked first at number six. Uh, did you like where they went
3: and and, and what did you think? Uh, read and react here for me. Yeah, I think if you're the New York Jets, you're disappointed by what the Chicago Bears did, and that may have thrown a little bit of a wrinkle into what was their best played plan. I think the Jets would have liked Trubisky there, At number six, you know, a lot of mock drafts had him kind of between that five to ten sort of range. But I don't think that they would have wanted to take him. I think they would have liked to flip the pick uh, either before taking Trubisky or after and be able to turn that into multiple picks. You know, uh, one of the telecasts last night said the Jets have the worst roster in the NFL. Uh, I'm not sure about that, but they're not far away from it. And I know that they were actively looking to move back into the middle portion of the first round somewhere in the low to middle teams uh, so that they could you know, target perhaps one player and then be able to accumulate a couple middle round picks to go along with it, which would then give them the flexibility to move up into the second round and, and get a couple of the, the guys that are sort of falling right now. So uh, I think the Jets went with the best available. You know, that's worked a couple times in the past with uh, Sheldon Richardson, who despite his... Uh, off-the-field problems on the field can produce Leonard Williams, who certainly produced uh, in two years in New York, and I think the Jets just kind of decided, uh, you know, uh, anyone here at this point is going to be uh, helpful to our team. Let's get the best available player and plug them in, and with that back end now with uh, Gilchrist, they have a a halfway decent uh, defensive backfield right now, so I, I think that the pick does some good things for them, but it certainly wasn't what they wanted coming out of day one. Yeah,
2: Gilchrist, they also added on another LSU guy, Morris Claiborne, there. So, you know, you add Jamal Adams, and secondary was a weakness, but they had a lot of weaknesses. So maybe that becomes one of their strengths heading into next year. And that's interesting, Chris, because, you know, I thought the Jaguars were the team that were making the Bears panic, but. The Jets' interest in Trubisky is what could have made the Bears uh, give up that King's ransom, so interesting nugget there. Uh, How about before we move on to the Giants, looking ahead to day two, obviously you could state a case, again, for the best available player. They have holes up and down the roster, as you mentioned, uh, maybe a notch above the Cleveland Browns roster, and and, uh, (laughs) I don't know how many more teams, but where do they go here on day two?
3: rounds two and three yeah well uh, obviously in the second round there's going to be someone who's going to have a round one grade who's probably going to fall to the Jets who are picking sixth in the second round you know who that ends up being if if a Cam Robinson continues his free fall and goes to the Jets they certainly could Mm -hmm. use some help on the offensive line Uh, they didn't address to Ferguson in a long-term solution with the, the uh Ryan Clady deal last year and then Clady moving on. Uh, so I, it wouldn't surprise me to see the Jets, if there's the offensive line in there, uh, someone that has a first round grade uh, potentially go uh, with a Cam Robinson. I'm not sure he's going to be there. He might end up being the first or second pick uh, in, this, in day two. There's also going to be Forrest Lamp from, from Western yeah. Kentucky, uh, or I'm sorry, Eastern Kentucky. Uh, good player, uh, you know, a little bit raw, but again, someone who I think. Uh, could come in and contribute. And after spending so many first-round picks in recent years on the defensive side of the ball, it's almost incumbent on the Jets now uh, to, to maybe address an issue on the offensive line. I don't think one of the quarterbacks there is going to substantially make them better anytime soon. I you know if someone had obviously fallen uh, into the second round, I think they would have been interested in that. But I think they may be addressing quarterback next year, but maybe getting some of the building blocks for the quarterback on day two and day three.
2: All right. NFL Draft Bible Day Two preview show special guest Christian Dyer on the Defiance Duel Hotline. You can follow him at Christian R. Dyer. Uh, of course, Metro.us for the local uh, Giants and Jets coverage and SportingNews.com. Let's switch over to the Giants, Christian, you know, talking about offensive line and Cam Robinson. I thought Cam Robinson was the guy that could have came in and competed with Eric Flowers for that starting left tackle position. Uh, Giants go switching it up. on. You know, they rebuilt that defense in free agency last year. Now maybe focusing on the offense. Not only do they shock with the tight end, but they also go Ingram – over the local New Jersey guy in Joker who a lot of people had pegged as the second tight end off the board. Your thoughts?
3: I I mean this is vintage Jerry Reese and at some point I'm fearful this is gonna catch up to Jerry Reese. You no, know, conventional wisdom said the weakest part on your team, you're gonna be able to address that at, at number twenty three. If he thinks outside the box, and I think perhaps a little bit too outside the box sometime. Yeah. I mean we, we only need to look back to last year adding a cornerback in Eli Apple, who's going to be a very good player for the Giants, uh, and I think he has a, a really big upside, but uh, perhaps didn't address an issue of need. It seemed like the Giants got maybe a little bit scared last year and panicked when a number of the tackles went off the board very early and teams are moving up for the Ronnie Stanleys of the world. Uh, you know, So I think this year they said we're going to stick to our board again. And when you're a team that's uh, picking number 23 for a reason, because you were in the wild card, you got bounced, and the major reason why you struggled um, in certain portions of last year was because you couldn't pass block and your ground game struggled because you just didn't have enough healthy offensive linemen, Uh, I'm not sure tight end was the best value pick right there. Uh, You know, Certainly Ingram is a kid who has great numbers, uh, good production in the SEC, goes down as – Ole Miss is best ever tight end in, in a number of numerical categories. His numbers were off the chart at the NFL Combine with a 442. 4 Not a great blocker, which is going to be an issue, I think, for this team. Um, I also have, again, just concerns when there was a Cam Robinson on the board, um, you know, uh, Ramjik was was on the board. Uh, there, there was a number of players that they could have taken. Why they couldn't potentially have traded back, uh, even just a few slots, uh, just to get the opportunity maybe to take a tackle where they valued him more. Uh, to me, this is one of those moves that, uh, if it pays off, the Giants win the Super Bowl uh, because their offense will be prolific. But if it doesn't pay off, it's going to be because Eli Manning's picking himself off the turf at MetLife Stadium because they don't have anyone to block for him. and and quite frankly, Jerry Reese is doubling down on Eric Flowers right now and saying that, you know, we don't need to replace him or move him to right tackle because any offensive lineman they get at this point probably isn't going to replace Flowers, and I'm not sure Flowers is good enough there at left tackle.
2: Yeah, and that's, that's actually opposite of what, you know, Ben McAdoo refused to endorse Flowers as his left tackle going into next season. So who knows? Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but, you know, Chris, 55, like you mentioned, there's not going to be any starting caliber offensive linemen left. Uh, maybe a center, but they have West and Richburg. They're all good there. Uh, do they look to go offensive line at 55? Traditional giant, you know, uh, old school giant fans are craving a linebacker. They haven't had uh, a dominant linebacker in many years. Where do they go here with the 55th pick?
3: Yeah, if the Giants had ended up taking Ruben Foster, I think a, a lot of fans would have said, okay, we wanted offensive line, but we understand that we got a top five guy falling to us at number 23. He can be a difference maker, and we'll just have to survive with whatever we can do at the offensive line. Uh, but, you know, kind of, they've kind of. Shoehorn themselves in a little bit right now, where what they're going to get, uh, picking where they're at, number 55 in the draft. Uh, I'm not sure that there's going to be that guy who can step in on the offensive line and produce. You know, there's always the possibility. And I saw the over/under on on Mixon being uh, 42.5, where he's going to be selected. You know, if he continues to fall, if there's more issues, things like that obviously that's a guy who can come in and make a difference for you, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see the Giants either, like they did a couple years ago with Landon Collins, move up in the draft, package some picks, maybe try to get that Cam Robinson uh, you know, early in the second round. That, that would make sense, or Forrest Lamp might be there, uh, but, but certainly there might be a guy that they're looking at later on in day two. I would think maybe a, a Julian Davenport out of Bucknell, uh, a guy who projects very well, a little bit raw, but certainly has a lot the tools, the long arms, can play in the interior, can play outside at, at the tackle position. But Davenport might end up being a guy who the Giants are familiar with. They were at his pro day. Uh, but he may end up being somebody who, at, at the end of the day, they can say, well, we're going to take our aches and pains with him, but we can put this guy on the field and maybe we'll put him in the interior and bump D.J. Fluker outside to play right tackle. But, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see the Giants maybe go that route at some point.
2: Yeah, definitely a, a mid-round developmental prospect. I call him the Condor, 88-inch wingspan, this guy. i never seen a wingspan like that. Uh, he's tremendous, and he's
3: getting a lot of calls from teams who, who see him as a second round or an early third rounder. So, hmm.
2: Interesting stuff. Christian Dyer, sportingnews.com, metro.us. Uh, Christian, it's been uh, very enlightening here with the New York team. Before we let you go, give us a parting shot here as we get ready to uh, kick off day two. We're about six hours away now from the start of day two. Any, Any thoughts here to leave with our listening audience?
3: Yeah, I, and I kind of mentioned it before, I, I think that we're probably going to see Cam Robinson go with the first pick of day two. Uh, I think his talent is too good. You can't help but, but ignore it. Uh, he can play inside as well, although he's a four-year starter outside of Alabama. I think Mixon's probably gone by 40. There's going to be a couple teams there uh, and maybe a team that might even want to move up to get him because, again, this is a guy who, but for everything off the field, guys, he was going to be you know, a top-ten pick in terms of just overall talent. And I, I, I can't let a show go by without mentioning Rutgers. I think that mm-hmm. day 3 late in, the, late in the seventh round, we might end up seeing a Rutgers player be selected. So got, i got to keep it local with Jersey. Uh, really? I I could who? see a Rutgers player potentially getting picked.
2: Well, you can't just say you can't just say that and
3: not give us a name. <laughs> I, you know, I, one one of the guys who's had one of the best off seasons in a long time that I've seen from any school was Chris Muller. Uh, you know, he, mm-hmm. he's someone who can play in the interior, put up massively big numbers at his pro day uh, on the two twenty five. I think it was thirty six or thirty seven reps would have been second best at the Combine uh, in terms of the 225. He showed good quickness. He he certainly projects well. His game film is solid on a pretty bad offensive line. And he's a good character kid. Uh, He's had some workouts recently with the Eagles, with the Giants, with the Jets, and a couple of other teams have flown him in, flown him out. For some visits, so I think the interest is there, and a team might just say in the seventh round, let's take a roll on this guy. We like him; he was an All Big Ten honorable mention uh, on a really bad team, so he's going to be under the radar. But uh, but I think Muller's that kind of grinder guy that could develop into a starter in the NFL. Well, there you have
2: it. He's I mean, definitely been putting the air miles on, and a guy I had a chance to see training down there at the Test Football Academy. So, uh, you know, I don't disagree, Christian, but great stuff. We appreciate a few minutes of your time here, and uh, definitely keep on doing it. We don't get more Jersey than you, baby. We come in with the Giants and Jets and kick the doors down, even with the Rutgers guys. So we appreciate the time
3: I'm and I got and I got the fake jersey tan going on too right now, so you know it's, it's all good. <laughs> all right, go and I'm change. wearing. My, and just for the record, it's T-shirt time here. I'm wearing the NFL Draft Bible T-shirt as we speak.
2: <laughs> yeah. Now go. Now go do some
3: laundry and hit the
2: gym, my man. <laughs> hey, the, hey the only
3: GTL, the only GTL in this house is green tea lemonade from Starbucks. That's the perfect <laughs> summer drink. <laughs> guys, I'm Christian,
2: and we appreciate you. That's Christian Dyer. You can follow him on sportingnews.com, metro.us. Uh, definitely has his finger on the pulse when it comes to all New York sports. Of course, he's also on the Madison Square Garden Network. And uh, guys, I'll throw it back over to you because Christian hit us with a lot of bit of uh, information and tidbits. And, you know, you talk about Chris Muller from Rutgers, a guy that could be in the Giants' plans, but They're going to need to select an offensive lineman earlier than that, I believe. And, Joe, I'm looking at Dan Feeney in your neck of the woods over at Indiana. Is that a guy that could potentially slide down to the Giants at 55?
0: I I think it could, especially when you look at Feeney. People are, I guess, worried a little bit about he's got some concussion history. Maybe that's why he slipped a little bit. And also a better run blocker than a, than a pass blocker right now. So there's still a little work yet to be done, but what a solid player you could get there, uh, you know, right where they're sitting. And even if they don't get him, that means uh, that another lineman would have to fall. I mean, once again, get Forrest Lamp, is still out there. I don't know that he falls the Giants pick, but Feeney would be a heck of a consolation prize for a team that needs help in that area. Justin, uh,
2: Cam Robinson, I would think a hot commodity on day two. Do the Packers stand pat there? They they are a team that needs offensive line, but at the same time, if you got teams willing to give you additional picks to move up for Kaiser or Webb, who I'm hearing Davis Webb being linked to the Cleveland Browns, but Justin, I'm asking you, if you're the Packers at thirty three, are you standing Pat there and taking a starting offensive lineman or are you trading down and, and picking up some picks?
1: Man, that'd be tempting. You know, it depends what guys are <clears throat> offering for you. But if I'm personally, if I'm the Packers and I'm Ted Thompson, man, I'm staying right where I am and I'm picking my starting right tackle. Uh, I'm, I'm picking a guy with versatility that could even kick inside dude. I don't think it's worth the value just to accumulate some extra picks when you've got a first-round talent staring you in the face. I stay right where I am and I tell all the teams, get the hell out of there, man, and I take Cam Robinson that first pick in the second round.
2: Hmm. Interesting food for thought. Last one before we pack it up, Joe. Hey, you got to appreciate it threw over some Vegas over unders there. That Joe Mixon, according to him, take the under. Uh, too good of a talent to pass up. Agree or disagree? And uh, all our people out there in Las Vegas, are you on the over or the under?
0: I'm I'm probably just gonna gamble on the over more than anything that teams that 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 would pass and and honestly just there's other backs. Once again, if you're you know, take a guy with question mark, look why not take Alvin Cook then? Why not take Alvin Kamara then? We all got some question marks, they all got talent. I would uh, just on a gambler's notion, I'll bet you still the over is looking plus money. And uh you, you know we're taking, we're not laying. <laughs>
2: You know, Joe does a regular show on Bang the Book. You can follow him over there at Bang the Book for more type of uh, Vegas prop bets and odds like that. So, you know, um, other than that, guys, I think we'll we'll wrap it up here. Uh, parting shots, I guess we'll go around the room. We are six hours away from day two of the 2017 NFL draft in Philadelphia, which I should mention is bigger better and better. I didn't see the exact number. I I did see the NFL emailed me a headline about the largest attended draft
3: in the history
2: of the NFL draft. And I will just tell you that, you know, people ask me how you like the draft this year. Is it better? Well, it's better for the fans, for sure. Not so much for the media. Not guys like us. If you're not NFL Network or NFL Media, they have relegated us to a media workroom where we are now watching. No, we're not even watching. We are now listening to the draft on an earpiece that they give us, provided by the NFL. We can hear the NFL Network broadcast. And then they will cut to the monitor and show us the pick being made as it happens. But long gone are the days of media being allowed inside the NFL draft long gone are the days of NFL draft mix no longer allowed long gone are the days of being able to report the ambiance and the whispering of what's transpiring in the NFL draft. And that's because we are relegated to a media workroom folks. I come to Philadelphia to watch the NFL Network on a monitor and listen to it on an earpiece. And granted, you know, the access has been wonderful and great, and that's why we're down here. All the awesome interviews we have up on NFL Draft. Well, we got them over on the YouTube channel. We're working on getting them up on nfldraftbible.com. We do appreciate your patience, but you could always find everything we do on Twitter, at nfldraftbible. We have interviews today, pre-draft, post-draft, anything you can ask for, and we thank the NFL for that, but I will tell you this. It started back in New York. Madison Square Garden, we used to be front row in the theater. We used to sit anywhere we wanted. All the draft mix would congregate. Now, it's full of beat writers. They're all gone. They're not in the city no more. They're They're gone. I'll be... Me and Cecil Lammy will be one of the only two media members left here today. Day three, forget about it. There's no place for the media anymore. It's just the evolution of the NFL. And, you know, I'm going to post – I took a picture here on my phone. I'm going to post you – I'm going to post a picture of my view of what I watch when I come to the NFL draft Bible now. and It's a little bit disheartening, but 16 years – I've attended the NFL draft, and we're now relegated to four walls. Not even walls, a tent, a plastic tent. Four plastic (laughs) tent walls. (laughs) And shout-out to Zenny62, Zenny Abraham, who's been covering the draft just as long as me. And, you know, you could catch me over there on some live streams. But it's just um, evolving times, a lot of changes. And I think everything is being geared more towards the fans, and you'll see that with the Combine. We're just a couple years away from the Combine being a paid entrance fee to NFL fans. They'll pack up Lucas Oil Stadium, and go move it to L.A. They'll do it over there at the Rams facility, the Disney World that Stan Kroenke built for the NFL. And you guys will see. But you heard it here first, NFL Draft Bible since 2002. Those are my parting shots. I guess I I just was anxious to get that off my chest. So I I appreciate the therapy session for all you guys listening out there. And now we're going to go around the room. We'll kick it off over to Justin Gamble, who you can follow on Twitter, at GamScout, one of the best NFL draft minds in the business. Justin, uh, parting shot here for our day two preview show going into round two. What do you got for the people? Appreciate the compliment there.
1: What I got for you today, uh, you'll see a top three talent in this draft come off the board, and you'll see the next NFL superstar, NFL defensive superstar in Malik McDowell get taken. I know he had his effort criticisms, I know he had bad interviews, blah, 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 but I think this kid's going to get motivated. His talent is too great. He's going to be the next stud on the defensive side of the ball in the NFL, and he will go today. Um, and I'm pumped to see where that is. I don't know yet, but we'll see.
2: I'm looking forward to You've been tuning that horn since the beginning of the season, and if he gets in the right team, right coach, right fit, watch out. Joe, Joe Everett, Joe W. Everett on Twitter, at Joe W. Everett. Of course, at Bang the Book uh, for his podcast there if you want to get some Vegas odds, but Parting
0: shot for the people in there. Cornerback still galore. I think that's the first off the board. If it isn't Kevin King, it may be Owusi, and even past those two, you still got Tabor on the board. Uh, Quincy Wilson. This is a uh, pretty uh, embarrassment of riches. I think on day two for teams that need uh, secondary players, safeties. This is really this is where the good teams are going to get their money and uh, get their players. I mean, I think we're going to see a ton of trades. I, I believe the Packers will move that pick coming up. Uh, maybe it's not the right move, but yeah, this is this is the day, I think, this is, these are the better days of the draft. Now we can really get to the nitty-gritties and start building some rosters.
2: Yeah, and you mentioned the corners. You didn't even talk about Roswell Douglas, Sidney Jones, Davy Moreau, Cameron Sutton, Jordan Lewis. I mean, there is some heavy, heavy talent at that corner back position, but uh, that's uh, going to do it here, another episode in the book. We're going to uh, try and come back at you tomorrow. We don't know uh, a time yet because the draft is starting very early. And like I said, the NFL does not provide a media area for us on day three of the NFL draft. So, you know, we're going to have to sort out that situation and figure it out for tomorrow. But follow us on Twitter at Bible. Log on to NFLDraftBible.com. we got some good analysis at up posted up already. We got some more on the way. And again, Justin Gamble at Gam Scout, Joe Everett at Joe W. Everett, uh, Rick Saratella here. You can catch me at Rick Saratella at NFL Draft Bible. And we can't stop. We won't stop since 2002. People bringing you the names you need to know first. Just a few last thoughts. Shout out to our guys over at Premier Athlete Advisors, premierathleteadvisors.com. Check out their sports agency over there. Of course, the best combine training facility, Parabolic Performance and Rehab, goparabolic.com. And then the best NFL Draft website that I ever heard about was nfldraftbible.com. If you don't know, now you know. Bringing you the names you need to know first since 2002. Keep it locked. Can't stop, won't stop. Until the next time, everybody, hey, share, like, rewind, catch us on Blog Talk, catch us on the iTunes, do what you got to do. but We appreciate uh, spreading the word, and we're going to be doing a lot of good uh, giveaways here post-draft in the summer months. So keep it locked to the College Good Iron Showcase podcast, tgsallstar.com. We're taking nominees for the 2018 College Good Iron Showcase and Symposium Watch. We're going to drop that on in May just to prove to you that we can't stop, we won't stop. just take it away.
0: All right. Peace. <laughs>